If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 13. The book of Luke chapter 13, I'm going to begin at verse 10. Today I just have a very simple message uh, that I really kind of adapted from my dad. My dad, when he did not like the way that I was acting, would say to me, son, you better straighten up and fly right. Now, I don't know exactly what that expression meant, but what I did know is what happened if I didn't change my behavior after the expression. And I found myself, even as a young parent, saying to Danielle when she's little, kid, you better straighten up and fly right. She'd look at me like, I'm not near an airplane. What are you talking about? You know, we're, we flying somewhere? Where are we going? And I think so many times we hear those expressions uh, when we're growing up, and we don't know the exact meaning, uh, but we get the context. But today I want to talk to you about a woman that was bent over for 18 years. She couldn't straighten up. The book of Luke chapter 13, begin reading there with me. Now he, talking about Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called over to her and said, Woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And then Jesus answered him. I love how Jesus answers. Hypocrites, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to the water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And, I, and he said these things, and all of the adversaries were put to shame, and the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Father, today, I pray that you would open up our hearts that we might receive what the Spirit of the Lord would have for us today. God, as we come to your word, may we, as we look at the context of this story, begin to apply it to our lives, God, and begin to open up our hearts to straighten things out that have been bent over in our lives. So God, would you speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit? Help me preach today, God, with clarity of mind and with boldness of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen and amen. I think that the godly and abundant life that we have in Christ should not be centered on what we avoid, but rather what we embrace. I don't know about you, but when I grew up in church, I was told more about the do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't say this. Don't go there. Don't dress like that. Don't talk like that. Don't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we got all of the list of do's and don'ts and, and what we're supposed to avoid, but we never got taught what we were supposed to embrace. What we were supposed to, we, we knew what we were supposed to stay away from, but the church did a very inadequate job of teaching us what we should get to. 
Stay away from this, yes, but get to him for what? To embrace a life that is abundant, a life that is full of joy, peace, and victory. And this morning, I want us to look at this story uh, in the Bible that teaches about this lady that had a, what what the King James says, or the New King James says, a spirit of infirmity. She had a disability for 18 years. For 18 years, she could not straighten herself up. 18 is six plus six plus six. The devil was at work at this woman's life. He had her bound up. And my question to you is, how long has it been since you've been able to straighten up? I mean, how long has it been since you've been able to straighten up your habits? How long has it been since you've been able to straighten up your money situation, your financial situation? How many, how many, how many, how much time has happened and how many years has gone by since you've been able to straighten your mouth up? Oh, I'm meddling now. Your job situation, your school life, how long has it been since you've been able to straighten up and be what God has called you to be and walk in the purpose that God has called you to walk in? She was bent over. See, her position dictated to her that she was constantly looking to the earth. She was constantly looking up. The Bible says, lift up your head. Lift up your eyes to the Lord where your help comes from. But that's not the position that she was in. Her position made her look down. She was bent over. And the one place that she could find hope should have been the house of God. And yet when she came to the house of God looking for hope, that house had a bunch of rules that she couldn't even be free. She came to the house of God to find God, to find his presence, to find hope, and to find healing. And instead, she got a bunch of religious rulers that had moved away from having a relationship with God, but were toters of the rules of God. Insomuch when the Messiah was standing in their presence and performed a miracle, the leader said, who do you think you are healing people on the Sabbath? Do you understand? I mean, have you looked and thought about that for a moment? Here is the Son of God standing before them who does a miracle. Think about this for a second. This, I'm, off, I'm off script here for a second, but think about this. Do you, think about a church that's okay with her being bent over for 18 years. Because I think that's a perfect picture of the church that we have today. We're content as long as they come, as long as they pay, as long as we can keep the doors open and the buildings open. But is that what it's really all about? The fact of the matter, she was bent over and couldn't see Jesus, but that didn't mean that Jesus couldn't see her. And Jesus performs a miracle, and when he performs a miracle, the church tries to shut it down because it didn't happen in the parameters of their religious system. And I don't know about you, but I've had all that I could take of religion. Jesus labeled it very well. When religion rises up, you can use the word hypocrite because it's going to be there every time. When we are more excited about the rules than we are somebody's life being changed by a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what, you ought not to do that. Well, that, that may be very true, but sometimes stopping that is so difficult on our own and within our religious systems because we won't let people get to Jesus the cycle breaker that we talked about last week. 
Our rules prevent people from having access. And you would, you would think that this is something that we would read in the Bible that we would see and we would be adamantly opposed to. But really, when we look at Scripture, we see a perfect picture of what's going on today. Because if you don't do it my way, I'll just go to another church. Well, this ain't Burger King, baby. You don't get it your way. You get it God's way. Well, I don't know. I just, I just need better music. I just need an organ. I just need this. I need that, that, that. And you start dictating how it's going to be done. You're no different than the Pharisee that said to Jesus, hey, you can't heal on the Sabbath. We got rules in this church. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time I was pastoring and I had this little lady that God had miraculously changed her life. I mean, just totally delivered her. And we were singing Amazing Grace one Sunday. And she started thinking about the words to Amazing Grace. And she stood to her feet and she screamed like she was on fire. I mean, she screamed so loud she scared me and I'm the pastor. I saw it coming. I was on the platform, watched her stand up. I said, oh, she's about to shout. But when she did, it scared me. It scared other people, and the other people that were scared didn't know her story, but I knew her story. And even though she scared me, I knew why she was shouting. But see, other people thought that she was not acting in the parameters of their comfort zone. How dare her act like that? How dare her scare me? Well, bless your heart, honey. How dare her stand and give God glory for setting her free? The fact of the matter is she was one of our bus people who was brought in from the inner city, she was a prostitute that had given her life to Christ, that had gotten delivered from drugs and now had a job. That's why she shouted, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Isn't it amazing how religious we can be when we think that we're not religious? You know, we're in a church, I'm wearing a t-shirt. Woo, man, I never dreamed. Come on, how many of you grew up in the Pentecostal church? I never dreamed that you could have the anointing without a tie on. I wish you knew it back then. I used to preach tent meetings in the middle of August. I was almost 500 pounds in a suit with a tie on having a heat stroke. Everybody out there, they're just, praise the Lord, glory to God. I'm up here going, you know, Sweating out 90 pounds. I sweated, I, said, I sweated out a grown woman and just preaching. <laughs> 90 pounds of sweat. I used to have to change my suit to go home. I, I couldn't take off my jacket because it would offend people. I should have took it off and threw it at them. Isn't it amazing the rules that we make and the parameters that we put on God? So much that when Jesus is in the room, people that are bent over, people that need to straighten up can't see Jesus through our rules and regulations. But glory to God, Jesus saw her. And he walked past and tripped over and disregarded everybody's thought of how church should be. I wish somebody helped me preach today. I know you smell chili, but seriously. He stepped over what everybody was comfortable with and did the unexpected. Met someone at their need and changed their lives. Oh, would be to God that in churches all across America, people that can't see Jesus because of all the stuff we put in place that keeps them from seeing.
that all of a sudden they would begin to see him for who he really is and for what he really can do. Jesus saw her. He saw her and he called her out. He said, come here, woman, come here. He said, woman, you are freed from your disability. You are freed from your infirmity. Notice what he did not say, man. God really, about four or five o'clock this morning, God showed me this. He did not say, disability come off this woman. He didn't say, spirit of infirmity, you have to go. Isn't that kind of how we pray? When we pray for people? Sickness, leave this person. Look what he said. No, Jesus said, woman, you are freed from your disability. You're free from your disability because I believe that this woman had had her disability for so long that it became who she was. It was her identity. It was how she related to herself. It was how she got attention. That's just how I am. And Jesus wanted her to know that what had owned her for 18 years did not own her. And that not only had he released her, but she needed to release it. Because last week we talked to you about how to get released and how to break the cycle. And Jesus broke the cycle, but you need to let go of what had you bound. Jesus' responsibility is to loose the woman. And he loosed her and set her free, the Bible tells us. And then it becomes her responsibility to let go of the infirmity. <laughs> I had somebody come to me one time and says, I want to I stop smoking. Would you pray for me? I said, absolutely. Go to your car. Get your cigarettes. Huh? Like in the middle of service, I said, go get your cigarettes. And they're standing there looking at me. I'm like, go to your car. The thing with four wheels you drove with. Get your cigarettes, bring them in. And I said, while you're out there, open your trunk and get the carton that's in your trunk. She did. She came in with a whole carton. That's like $275. <laughs> she set it down on the altar. And you, you asked me the question, why did you have her go to the car? Because if we're going to ask her to be free, she can't go back and be surrounded by what she's trying to be free from. See, I knew God was going to set her free. I just wanted her not to go back and her not be free because she hadn't let go of it yet. So I took all of it away from her and put it up there. Could have paid the church building off. Think about it for a moment. How many times have we say, well, you know, God, I want you to set me free of, of this, and I want you to set me free of that, but we don't put guardrails in place to keep us from being free. Jesus sets us free because Jesus wants to set us free. When this woman came bent over, it bothered Jesus so much that he stopped what he was doing and said, no, no, we're not, I'm not going to preach about the goodness of God while she's bent over. No, I've got to get to her. Oh, I wish somebody would help me. So the 
question is, are you going to let go of what he has freed you from? Are you going to let it go? Because he set you free. Jesus called to her, and then Jesus set her free. And my Bible teaches me in John 8, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom Jesus sets free, you're free. So if you're bound to it, it's because you embrace it once again. Let me give you two points as I close that will help you straighten up and fly right. Number one, don't focus on the problem. Focus on the process. Don't focus on the problem. Focus on the process. I said it last week in my message, Breaking the Cycle, that you need to zoom out. But I didn't really tell you how to zoom out. So how do you zoom out? Worship is how you zoom out. Worship is how you get the bigger picture because worship reframes our circumstances. I wish you'd hear me. Worship reframes our circumstances because it helps us see God for who God really is and it helps us walk in the fullness of God because we've been in his presence. Albert Einstein said this, you can't solve problems in the same mindset that you created them. Many times Jesus is in the room, but we're distant and we're disengaged in our mindset and in our worship. We are more content at listening to the instruments play and the singers sing than we are in engaging into what's happening in the room, realizing that Jesus is in the room and he wants us to straighten out and he's there to give us the power to do it. Secondly, don't focus on your past, focus on your purpose. I think we understand everything in life through worship because how are we truly supposed to see our circumstances the way that God sees them if we don't get in his presence and see how he sees them? Because when we're not in his presence, our problems seem so big. But when we get in his presence, now all of a sudden he becomes bigger than the mountain that's in front of us because our perception changes, because our views change off of our problems and onto the God that solves our problems. Am I helping anybody this morning? In closing, David said this in the book of Psalm chapter 73. He said, I tried to understand it all. I tried to understand it all. What was he talking about? He was talking about the problems in his life. And he said, it was just too hard for me to see it. I tried to make sense of all this, but in my mind and in my own heart, I couldn't understand it all. But notice that one word. It says, until. Until what? Until I went to the house of God. Until I went to the temple of God. Then I understood what was happening. See, all of a sudden, he gets perspective, he gets wisdom, he gets understanding because he's been to the house of God where the presence of God is. He's been in the presence of God to receive the power of God to walk in the purpose of God. 